This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday, time for our Zoomer Squad. And of course, we are looking ahead to this afternoon's economic statement. And in addition to an accounting of how much money has already been spent, we're expecting an indication of what's to come. We've already seen speculation actually, uh, possibly they are actually leaks, about a big spend on childcare. This, now that we know that women are largely bearing the brunt of the pandemic in terms of losing jobs uh, or having to leave them because they're the main caregivers for their children. But what about seniors who have suffered the most in terms of death and illness. Will we see anything to better the situation in long-term care, which of course is a provincial responsibility? And uh, what about getting serious about home care, which ultimately will be the only viable solutions? We'd like to hear from you. What would you like to see in that package? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'd like to welcome the Zoomer Squad's David Kravitz, VP of Zoomer Media and Chief Marketing Officer at CARP, Bill Van Gorder, Interim Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine. Hey, guys, how are you? Hi, Libby. Good, Libby. Hi, everyone. Okay, let us start with Bill. Uh, what are you looking for in this economic statement? Well, we like the fact that uh, we're told that there may be uh, money for caregivers and support for caregivers, but we hope the government will realize it, that it's not just women, uh, mothers who are the caregivers, but uh, in this pandemic, caregiving is being given by all segments of our uh, society, and we want some kind of support for anyone who is giving uh, care to either children or adults during the uh, uh, pandemic. Uh, What about what's already in place? I know it's quite small, but uh, is is that an avenue for expanding? What do you think? Well, it certainly is an avenue for uh, expansion. Uh, But and there's so many there's a number of other things the government could do quite easily. Uh, one would be to make sure that the uh, uh, caregiver tax credit uh, is refundable so that everybody gets the money, not just the people who are paying taxes, because if people are staying home looking after their children or their older loved ones, they're not not working. We also want a dropout provision to the pension plan because we have number of people now who have ended up having to be full-time caregivers, either to their children or to the uh, older uh, members of their family. And they need to be able to, when they eventually can go back to work, have their CPP uh, 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 resume at the same uh, uh, pace and not be pen- penalized for taking time out of the workforce. Both of those would be easy to implement and, frankly, not that costly to the government in the long run. 
David, um, do you see this at all as the government uh, sort of favoring one demographic over another, a younger demographic over an older one? I, I don't know if I would go that far till I see what they do. But I think that Bill is onto something in, in the sense that I don't think the government has adequately, and I say this of all government generically, has adequately realized the scope and scale of caregiving, particularly tied in as people are living longer and longer. You know, you could have dismissed this when the healthcare system was first devised in the 1950s or 60s, and the, most people didn't, you know, make it to their 80th birthday. You had a couple of years post-retirement, some informal caregiving within the family if needed, and then the person was gone. But now we're looking at, uh, if you take a, a retirement age of 65, the traditional age, we're looking at 15, 20, 25 years not being that unusual. And the provision of home care uh, is the majority situation. I mean, we've talked about long-term care in nursing homes, but that's a, it is terrible. It's, it's awful, but it's a very small minority of people that are in that situation. Most people had to make do during this pandemic with home caregiving, and then they lost that when their uh, children or uh, other people couldn't, couldn't enter the home, couldn't provide that care. The government has to realize this is a massive a population that is affected by this, and I don't think they've really uh, grasped that yet. Peter? Yeah. Um, the key will be, I guess, is whether um, the government will give the money to the provinces uh, with strings attached, the, the money for uh, long-term care to provinces, um, because um, the Quebec Premier and Ford have already you know, made noises that um, they can't impose any measures unless it's 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 a provincial jurisdiction right so it, you know the money's welcome but whether the government has any say on where it goes that that that'll be the big issue and um we've heard we've heard from the Quebec uh, uh Lego and and from Ford that uh it's you know keep your hands off our programs Interesting, but in the meantime, you know, there, there are voices that are saying that the government would be within rights and should have already enacted some emergency orders because right now what we're seeing across the country, we're seeing big spikes out west and uh, we're seeing that, you know, a place like Alberta, which uh, doesn't really have, I mean, it's, it's not as, uh, What's the word? It's, you know, it's not as strict about anything. Uh, do they even have a mask mandate that the government should have stepped in and had some emergency orders for the whole country? Yeah, because, um, you, know, you know, Kenny was is under fire right now for, for ignoring his... Um his public health uh, officers, but uh, again, Alberta has a mask mandate in areas of high infection, but in province-wide, they don't. So um, that's something that uh, you know the, the the federal government, you know, uh, could have maybe instituted that. But but again, it, it's a provincial jurisdiction issue right now, and I look for more of that. You know, they they want the money, but they don't want the. Uh, you know, you know the, the the direction that goes with it. Bill, again, do you see the government as being friendly towards the kinds of demands CARP has for our demographic, or do you see them as being more interested in courting a younger demo? Yeah, we do not see them being interested in the CARP uh, demographic, either nationally or provincially, right across the country. In fact, 
we're seeing a rise again of ageism right across the, the country where there's an attitude that uh, we have to uh, we have to remember the the young people and the old people are where they where they are and we're not going to worry about them they seem to have forgotten who actually votes in uh, elections and CARP members right across the country are 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 fed up they're saying uh, uh, we're not going to uh, take this uh, anymore we're not going to be playing uh, second fiddle even fiddle is fine not uh, uh, second fiddle and you know as as peter uh, pointed out they're tired of provincial governments putting a stop to adequate care uh, based on uh, uh, the individual desire to to uh, look after all healthcare needs uh, in their own province the time has to come where your postal code doesn't determine what kind of health care you get across the, the, the country. And CARP has been calling for years and will continue to that uh, the, the provinces uh, cooperate with the federal government and have standard policies and standard uh, uh, standards of care right across the entire country. Okay, uh, getting to the CARP campaign, uh, which involves uh, asking for the firing of Ontario Long-Term Care Minister Marilee Fullerton. She was just up in uh, the legislature and she was saying that, wow, they have a much better handle on what's going on in long-term care. They have systems in place. I mean, this after she's going rah, 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 they took away the management of some of the hardest hit homes. But you know, the way the numbers are going, it does not look like it. David, um, you know, are people buying that the government has a handle on what's going on in long-term care here? I, I think it's very much related to what having a handle means. It would be unusual if they didn't know more. I mean, to be fair to them and to be fair to the scientists, it would be weird if we didn't know more. We do know more. It would be uh, easy to give them a pass for, you know, March and April of last year when the thing hit and everybody's scrambling and we're reading about massive deaths in Italy and we're, everybody's just, you know, running around in circles. But I don't see any evidence of a solid announcement, a clear plan that balances long-term, and I, I don't mean that as a pun on long-term care, but longer-term solutions with short-term actions that are consistent and coherent and understandable. And we've talked about this on this program about, you know, you can visit, you can't visit, two people, three people, wear a mask, get tested, don't get tested. They've been all over the map. And I think whereas it's reasonable to say that if we're going to rebuild the facilities, the buildings, it's not unreasonable to say that's going to take years. So they, you can't do that overnight. But I just don't see she's she's always reacting with excuses. She's not taking the lead and saying, here is the plan for the next eight weeks, the next eight months, the next eight years in a coherent, organized way. So you get the sense of just, you know, a cork bobbing in the ocean and once in a while it bumps into something solid and the rest of the time it's drifting. Okay, one of the things, uh, and we are going to be tackling this in the back half, uh, is this whole issue of vaccines. When are we getting vaccines? What's the vaccine rollout going to look like? And who gets it first? And Peter, uh, I've done some interviews, and they talk about advisory bodies with 
different ideas about who should get the vaccine first. Yes. Yet when I keep hearing it being reported, it's like it's a done deal. So in your view, should the older population get vaccinated first as a whole, or should it be just people in nursing homes? Uh, What's your take on it? Well, they they keep talking about high priority groups and, um, I think that obviously means, um, you know, frontline workers will get it first, healthcare workers will get it first. And then, and then I guess the big scramble is how do you inoculate the whole senior population and, and how do you find them? How do you, you know, uh, create a campaign that, that reaches out to rural Canada, which has a, a much older population and, uh, and get to them. And, and so, you know, it's, it's all very well to say it, but, um, these there are a lot of issues like uh, transportation of the vaccines and refrigeration of, of one of the vaccines needs to be refrigerated. Um, the, you know, this is a huge um, you know tactical uh, undertaking, and uh, it, it seems to me everyone is saying you know we we've we've got you know General Hiller to do it, but 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 what does that mean? Like how is General Hiller going to find? Uh, seniors, how is he going to roll out the plans? Uh, you know, the the flu the flu vaccine is was haphazard until recently. Um, is it going to be the same way with with COVID? There there there's still so many questions, Libby, and I don't think I don't think any um, federal or provincial government has a hold on it yet. Well, you know, it's one thing to say that vulnerable or high risk populations will get it first, but first of all, I don't take that that necessarily means older people. There are people, for instance, public health here that, that, that believe that people who are in lower income groups live closer together and at high risk from that point of view should perhaps be at the head of the line. Uh, Bill, are, are you working on any kind of advocacy when it comes to that? Well, yes, uh, yes, we are. The first, and, and the first thing that CARP is really concerned about is that, uh, we've looked at what's happened this year with the, uh, ineffectiveness of the delivery of the flu vaccines in provinces right across the, the country. And we're wondering how governments with decades of experience, uh, delivering flu vaccines have messed it up so badly this year how can we be confident that they're going to be able to handle the covid mm-hmm. vaccine uh, properly in fact uh, uh we heard the other day that the uh, that the military across the country has uh reached out to uh local provincial uh, uh officers of health and and uh, offered to them support in terms of of uh delivering and making it available we certainly hope that uh, they're making plans that are going to work uh, this time and, and not be as confused as we've seen in the last few months with the uh, flu vaccine. Then in terms of delivering it, it's got to get out to as many people as quickly as, as possible. Everyone seems to agree that frontline uh, workers are uh, first uh, but what about the rest? And what are we doing in terms of the the way this is being uh, uh, handled? Uh, in some provinces, we now have uh, pharmacists able to deliver vaccines. That isn't true in all provinces across the country. Uh, how is that going to be handled? Is the training in place now to make that uh, uh, possible? The certification that's uh, 
necessary. There are a tremendous number of uh, questions and uh, and no answers. They they really don't seem to know. And once again, it seems uncoordinated across the country. Well provincial jurisdictions. We have uh, two military men in charge, one nationally and one here in Ontario. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, um, when, I, when I see that public health is likely, local public health to be involved, it, you know, it leaves me shaking my head. They, they're still running with fax machines. Well, it, it, it does. And they're not in the delivery business. They never have, have been. Uh, when will they turn the delivery over to either, uh, for profit or other, uh, uh, military organizations, whoever, who understand how to get, uh, goods from place to place? Obviously, uh, these provincial departments don't know how to do it. They certainly haven't been doing it with the flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. David, are Zoomers worried about the deficit? We are going to hear more about that uh, this afternoon. And uh, it's going to be higher than what was announced in July, which was already the highest, $343 billion, $343 billion. More money than that has gone out the door. The estimates I've heard are up to 380 And given the size of it, uh, is it realistic to be expecting the government to tackle things like home care, which really are multi-year things that should have been tackled beforehand. Well, I think the number is too big for people. It's, it's a paradox. I think the number is so big that uh, being worried about it or not being worried about it almost becomes abstract. I mean, if it was twenty billion less, would I be twenty billion less worried? I mean, it's vast. It's unknowable, and I think everybody's worried about it in terms of. Uh, uh, restricting their ability to deal with all the other problems. I think this really speaks, Libby, to the issue of how siloed everything has always been. If there was honesty, if there was a clear-cut strategy that says, this is what we can accomplish, this is what we can't accomplish, this is what we're proposing to do, um, we can't get a straight answer. And I think that exacerbates the lack of confidence in all jurisdictions, not just uh, picking on um, Minister Fullerton or, or Ontario, they don't seem to be able to come up with any clarity. And I think vaccines, I, I just wanted to add one point to that. I think you're going to see just insane pressure compared to what you see now, because the Canadians are going to be watching stories starting in the next couple of weeks of Americans being vaccinated, English being vaccinated, Germans being vaccinated, Australians being vaccinated, and we're getting it sometime in Q1. Well, even if it's unfair for us to be critical, that's going to create a lot of negative backlash, further complicating the lives of these officials. And the only answer is clarity, I think, of you know, what's the strategy? Take us into your conference. Tell us how the landscape looks and exactly what you're proposing to do. And that has not been forthcoming at any point in this uh, crisis, frankly. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think a lot of it is, so much of it is ad hoc. It's <laughs> so, all ad hoc. It's all, yeah. all of it's ad hoc. Some of it needs to be because you need to be flexible. But there are just so uh, there's such a gap now between the reality experienced by the average uh, uh, Canadian and the rhetoric that's coming our way from all levels of government. Peter, are, are you worried about the deficit? Well, I, you know, I, I think it's going to top $400 billion and um, 
I, I am worried about it. I mean, um, you know, um, the, the finance minister tells us over and over that we shouldn't be worried about it because interest rates are so low. But, um, you know, there, there comes a point when you've borrowed so much money that it doesn't matter what interest rates are. It, it's it's going to cost a fortune to finance it, you know. And also, um, you know, um, we, we haven't even seen the sector bailouts yet, like for tourism, for airlines, for we, we've seen piecemeal for business, you know. Um, we haven't seen job creation money flow out yet. So, you know, there's still a lot more to flow out. And, um, you know, it, it, you just you have to shudder at the, at the enormity of it. Well, uh, I think we're expecting some of that today, especially the the bailout for the airlines. Now, there was a statement by the transport minister, Mark Garneau, saying they're not getting a bailout until they refund customers. And Bill, you know, uh, it's uh, probably a better problem to have than COVID-19, but a lot of Zoomers were stuck with uh, travel plans that they had paid for. And there's no refunds from the airlines. They're offering vouchers for tickets sometime in the future. And depending on your age and state of health and mobility, that may or may not work for you. Are CARP members worried about that? Yes, we're hearing a lot from our CARP members who are caught in many different ways by uh, uh, the lack of the ability to travel everything from people who don't have winterized accommodation in in Canada because they've always gone someplace warm uh, for the uh, for the winter months and now they are unable or at least the government is strongly suggesting uh, they they not and who would want to travel to many of these countries uh, uh, these days uh, they're concerned about uh, travel uh, plans uh, that may have that are delayed now and as uh, you know, in many cases, this was kind of the, the last travel of people met a certain age. So will they ever be able to uh, travel to those places again? The uh, uh, the doubt and the concern, the anxiety that uh, uh, provides uh, and, and also just being uh, stuck in their uh, homes or in their community, not even able to move, not even able to go to the next community, let let alone the next uh, country is creating all kinds of uh, uh, pressures on them. They're worried about uh, in, uh, travel insurances and how that's going to work for them in the long run. Are prices going to go up so much they aren't going to be able to afford to uh, uh, travel? So yes, many more questions. And answers. I'm going to give the numbers out again. We do have a few minutes left, and uh, I'd like to hear from people on the travel issue. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And, you know, uh, Bill's just been saying, would people want to travel? But David, we did a segment on this together a couple of weeks back, and we did. I am... I am shocked just from people that I know who I would think are sensible. Uh, you know, they're, they're making all kinds of rationalizations is mostly for going to Florida, which is a hotbed and which will probably see another huge surge within a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving. And they're saying, well, I'm going to be healthier if I can walk on the beach and uh, I will, you know, be careful otherwise. So I don't know. I, I don't know that 
everybody is being really sensible about this, uh, people are going to go anyway. David, well, is that what yeah, you're hearing? You're right. We, we heard from somebody. like, But I, I think the point was, if you could magically transport yourself to your southern low-rise, in, in the case of the person we had on the show, yeah. location where you can socially isolate down there and walk on the beach and have your groceries delivered, rather than socially isolate up here in the middle of the winter, that's fine. But the real issue became the risk of not even the insurance, but of being able to get the treatment. If, God forbid, something went wrong, now you're going into a hospital down there. Are you even going to get treated, let alone is it covered by insurance? So it's a, it's a tremendous risk that they seem to be willing to undertake. And I think you're going to find anecdotally a huge number are going to take the risk, but a, a bigger number are not going to take the risk. Uh, Bill, have you heard from people? I mean, uh, are, you, are the people you hear from more sensible than the people that we're hearing from? No, we're we're certainly hearing from uh, from both. We're hearing, uh, of course, from people for all the reasons David said are are uh, going to going to stay home. But others who are saying, "Look, at my age, uh, I want to enjoy myself. Now I'm going to take the the chance. What's the point of isolating myself away and having and having no no enjoyment just to sit here and and to uh, to be a to be a vegetable and and do nothing and that's what they're that's what they're uh, weighing and some some are saying I'd rather I'd rather have my fun and enjoyment now and uh, take a chance it's not the kind of attitude I personally would uh, mm-hmm. take but these are very uh, uh, well educated intelligent people who uh, are just I guess higher risk takers than I am. Well, and, and Peter, I mean, you know, the the magazine does a lot of travel coverage. It's a big passion for a, a lot of the readers. And, you know, one of the things that my observation is, you know, I've heard from people who say, I'm going to be careful. I'm going to self-isolate uh, and get and just walk on the beach. They won't. <laughs> no, no, human nature dictates that they won't, you know. And it, and it's it's almost impossible to like it, it, unless you're under lock and key. Like it, people are going to go out. People are going to they there are going to be so many opportunities to uh, you know get closer than two meters from people, and 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 it's just going to happen, you know. Um, but but as Bill says, um, you know they they put a lot of money into these places. They built up a lifestyle that they're used to, and um, they don't want to sacrifice it, you know, pandemic or not. Do we know, can I just ask quickly, do we know, Libby, if I'm a snowbird and I'm down in Florida, I've landed and I'm there, uh, can I get the vaccine down there if it starts in the United States three months earlier than here? That is a, a brilliant a question. Good question. Yeah. That's a, you know I, <laughs> I here know. here the government has already said that the vaccine is going to be free of charge. I doubt that it's going to be. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be free of charge in the United true, States. True. Though I've even seen items on American news saying that maybe they should pay people to take it. So I don't know if you uh, if you've got. Uh, Cash on the barrel head, um, but that's a Probably good thing to it, explore. Yeah. Is Peter? Were you say? Were you uh, indicating that you know an answer to that? No, I don't. I, I, I it, it's a, it's a really good question, and you know, I the insurance packages, the COVID and travel insurance packages, I've looked at. 
um, don't say anything about vaccine. They they just say about uh, coverage for if if you're diagnosed while you're I down there. If you've got a, I think if you've got a place in Florida, you can afford a vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Be my guess. That, that would but be the, the question problem. is, would you yeah. be eligible? You said, well, you're not an American citizen. Get lost. Yeah. Uh, that's the question. I don't know. It's just a, a thought that popped into my head <laughs> as we were talking about it. You're, you're now I'm thinking that might not be a bad idea. Okay, I'm uh, looking at the clock, and we are out of time. And, of course, uh, we'll be checking back with you after that economic statement comes down. In the meantime, thank you so much, Peter Mugridge, David Kravitz, and Bill Van Gorder. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Libby. Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.